It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hawkeye Nation podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs with you here once again. It's a Tuesday afternoon here in the state of Iowa, and hopefully nothing I say over the next several minutes uh, is outdated by the time it reaches your ears because things are changing at an incredible pace. Uh, Thankfully, as we sit here today, Iowa and the Big Ten are not involved imminently in any crazy realignment talk or, uh, or anything like that, but I think you'd be naive to think that it was impossible for Iowa or the Big Ten to, at some point, get involved in realignment talk. As a matter of fact, I think it's uh, very likely, maybe even necessary, that Iowa and the Big Ten do get involved in realignment talk. We will get to all of that. Also want to talk a little bit about basketball, uh, some some coaching extensions. Uh, we had football media days last week. I was going to do a big media day podcast off of Kirk Ferentz's time at the podium and all of that, but... The news broke last week, just before media days, uh, that Texas and Oklahoma were considering leaving the Big 12, and less than a week later, here we sit with Texas and Oklahoma uh, inevitably leaving the Big 12, imminently leaving the Big 12, and joining the SEC. We're going to talk about what that means uh, for the Hawkeyes and for the Big 10 and, and what scenarios there are. It's all speculation right now, or at least the vast majority of it Majority of it is speculation. Uh, whatever you want to believe, there's going to be somebody reporting that that's a possibility. I don't want to do that, but I do want to kind of explore some of these possibilities, uh, some of the potential moves that the Big Ten can make, and maybe what all of this is going to look like on the other side, whether that be a year from now or several years from now. Uh, college sports are changing, man, and get ready or not, here it comes. I've seen a lot of people threaten to boycott college athletics. We've seen a lot of people over the last several years threaten to boycott a lot of things, and um, you know those aren't typically successful. But college sports is not going to look the way it has always looked, or at least the way it has looked for most of our lifetimes for very much longer, uh, whether that be because of name, image, likeness, or any other pending kind of sea changes that are going to come from the just beat down the NCAA got by the Supreme Court a month or two ago, or whether that be because of the dissolution of some conferences, the addition of teams to other conferences, maybe the dissolution of the NCAA being involved in Division One college football at all at the Power Five level. It's going to look different. Um It has looked different before. Changes have come and gone. We have gotten used to them. 
you know, it, it doesn't feel like Penn State doesn't belong in the Big Ten like it must have 25 years ago. It really doesn't feel like Nebraska doesn't belong in the Big Ten. Now, they haven't lived up to, lived up to the hype, and that's been kind of fun. But they don't feel out of place. Rutgers still feels out of place. Maryland, less so, but still feels a little out of place. But they won't feel out of place if the Big Ten continues to extend, expand on that side of the country. So what does it mean for the Big 12 to, to blow up for the Big Ten? Well, it doesn't mean much as far as uh, the Big Ten when it comes to the Big 12. Where it does mean a lot is the power grab the SEC is making. The move the SEC just pulled off. And you don't have to like it. I don't. Uh, it, you don't have to think it was ethical. I don't. Um, it's pretty shady to be, for Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, to be in meetings for six months with Bob Bowlesby, the Big 12 commissioner, talking about potentially expanding the big the college football playoff and never, you know, in, in complete bad faith, right? I mean, Sankey sits there knowing, at the very least knowing that it's a possibility that Texas and Oklahoma are going to leave the Big 12 to join the SEC and knowing that the power dynamic that shifts because of that into the SEC, but also knowing that the Big 12 likely doesn't survive a move like that and to be able to sit whether it was on a zoom meeting or in a conference room or on a conference call or whatever and not have any I mean how how do you sleep at night (laughs) right I guess you sleep at night on a pile of hundred dollar bills that's how you sleep at night if you're Greg Sankey it's disappointing that money is driving all of this but you'd be naive to not understand that that's not just the way it is it's the way it has been and it's unfortunately the way it's probably going to be always you want to you want to find answers as to why this is happening look at the money the big 12 cannot survive this in my in my opinion at least not as a power league they can bring in other teams central florida south florida a Cincinnati, a Memphis, a Boise State, whoever that may be. You're not getting Oklahoma and Texas back. So the Big 12 dissolves, and the Big 10 is now in an arms race with the SEC. The Big 10 lost a lot of juice, a lot of reputation a year ago with the canceling and then subsequent uncanceling of the football season. I think what they did was right as far as ultimately playing the season. It would have been weird to have a spring football season. I think it was right to do it when they did it compared to when the Pac-12 did it. I also think it was knee-jerky and unnecessarily early to cancel the season. And the Big Ten and Kevin Warren specifically took a lot of arrows based on that decision. And so you could see that the Big Ten maybe has lost some, as I said, clout nationally within the sport, within the college athletics landscape. But it's still the Big Ten. It's still one of the biggest, most powerful, most prestigious, richest conferences 
in the history of college athletics. And it's time to show that. It's time to prove that. It's time to make it known from sea to shining sea, from border to border, that the Big Ten is not going to sit by idly while the SEC compiles pieces, big pieces, important, historic, blue blood program pieces, and and just let the SEC become the, the only conference of college football. You could make the argument the SEC is is the only college of conference of college football based on the results outside of Clemson. Who can beat who can beat the SEC when it comes down to it? But the Big Ten still has Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, big programs, storied programs, important programs. And who gets added to that? Do you expand just to expand? Do you expand just to get to 16 because that's what the SEC is doing? I don't think so. I think if your option as the Big Ten is to add Kansas and Iowa State or stay put, you stay put for now. You let some other things play out. You let some other chips fall. Hell, maybe you let some other conferences realign and see what see what else is out there. I heard here on the radio in Des Moines somebody throw out, hey, North Carolina and Virginia, you know, if Jim if Jim Delaney is still in charge of the the Big Ten, those calls have already been made. We've already expanded all the way to the East Coast. You're not getting Rutgers and Maryland out of this league. You're not getting Rutgers out of the league. It's not going to happen. And so maybe it makes more sense to expand on that side of things. You've heard others say, go get the two biggest football brands you can get. Is that USC and UCLA? Is that Oregon and Washington? Have you made a call to Clemson? Have you made a call to Florida State and Miami? Now, I don't like any of these options because it doesn't make sense other than money. You take money out of this and, and none of it makes sense. I don't want the Big Ten to expand just for the sake of expansion. I do want my Iowa Hawkeyes to live and play in a solid league with a solid foundation and a bright future. And what I worry about is that right now as we sit here, the SEC feels like the only conference on a solid foundation with a bright future. Because everybody else is chasing their tail. Everybody else is trying to figure out what the SEC is doing. Everybody else is playing checkers. The SEC is over there playing chess. And I have no doubt that other conversations have been had. The only reason we learned about the Oklahoma-Texas thing a week and a half, 10 days ago, was because someone leaked it, presumably people at Texas A&M, because they're upset about it. Who's to say that they haven't had other conversations? Who's to say that this maybe inevitable move to get away from the NCAA, which has no power, and move to a, you know, for lack of a better word, semi-pro super league where you can 
make your own bylaws. Every program does have enough money to, you know, pay players a stipend, if not a salary, to make their own rules about name, image, likeness, some of those other things. Um, if this is the play, if this is the time, if that's coming and now is the time for that to come, what's keeping Ohio State in the Big Ten? I don't like talking about things just about Ohio State. I don't because that makes me feel like the Big 12 and the situation the Big 12 has been in for a decade where everything revolves around Texas. And it doesn't matter if they're good or not because they have the most money, the most eyeballs, and the most prestige. And if they're not happy, nobody's happy. And so everybody has to bend over backwards. Everybody has to do whatever they can to make sure Texas is happy because, like it or not, as Texas goes, the rest of the conference goes. And if Texas leaves, we're all screwed. And I don't like thinking about the Big Ten that way because I don't think that's necessarily the case. But the reality is, if Ohio State leaves, we're all screwed. <laughs> Maybe not. That, that That's probably going too far. The Big Ten without Ohio State and Michigan is a much stronger league than the Big 12 without Texas and Oklahoma. There's no question. But Ohio State's the only truly relevant national brand in football that the Big Ten has at this moment. I'm sure Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin to some extent, Nebraska has been there. You know, teams can jump up and have big seasons and do good things. We saw, we've seen Iowa do that. Minnesota had a good year a couple years ago. But the only truly relevant, truly competitive on a national scale, and when I say that, what am I saying? I guess I'm really saying truly competitive with the SEC and with Clemson is Ohio State. So if the SEC brings in Texas and Oklahoma, and the Big Ten counters with Kansas and Iowa State. Is Ohio State happy about that? Do they feel comfortable? Do they feel like they are in the best place for them? Do they feel like they can win a national championship playing it out of that league? And if not, that's a big uh-oh for the rest of us. Because again, I think you'd be naive to think that Iowa could never find itself in the position that Iowa State is in today. And that's scrambling. Now, I was a much better program in football, a much better athletic department historically with more money and more prestige and more recognition. There is no doubt. In a vacuum, Iowa and Iowa State are not competitive when it comes to which program is better. But... If the SEC is looking at 32 teams, is Iowa one of those teams? If they're looking at 48, is Iowa one of those teams? I think certainly at 48. 32? You're probably on the bubble. 24? You're on the outside looking in, especially if you assume they're going to keep, you know, the Vanderbilts and things like that, that have the Kentuckys that have been grandfathered into this. So it's a scary time, I think, uh, for, for Iowa fans and for Big Ten fans. And there's just so much unknown. What are some of the other options? Um, you know, just kind of stay put, see how things go. There's been talk of a an alliance with the Pac-12. I think this is intriguing. This this perked me up a little bit. This thought of 
maybe not a full merger, right? Maybe not a, a unification of conferences. Maybe not home and homes or, you know, yearly games and rivalry trophies with Cal and Stanford and Oregon. But what if the two conferences came to an agreement that they've got each other's backs, that they are one, they are united, they are unified? That'd be interesting. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know logistically how that works or what it actually means. (laughs) But it does interest me. And it interests me far more than an Iowa State and a Kansas joining the Big Ten. I keep referring to that because that's been one of the things that's been thrown out there, especially here in central Iowa. I don't know where you are listening to this, but here in central Iowa, this is all being seen through an Iowa State lens, and you can understand why. This is a program, an athletic department on the rise, a football program on the rise, on the verge of doing some things they've never done before, potentially, and the rug is about to be pulled out from under them completely. So they're scrambling for where do they land. And, and of course, they want to land in the Big Ten. Because contrary to popular belief, we are still the Big Ten. It's still nice in these waters. The grass is still greener on our side. You know? The money still spends. The prestige still exists. The recruits still want to come. The coaches still want to coach here. We still sell out the stadiums, some of the biggest in the world. So what does this mean for the Big Ten? God only knows. I hope it's good. I have confidence it's going to be good. I know people don't have confidence in Kevin Warren. I understand that feeling. I like to give him the benefit of the doubt, but I also am glad that Barry Alvarez is on the case. He's been brought in. To kind of handle this from a football perspective. And that's a man who is well-respected by everybody across the country in that industry. And uh, I think we'll not make any knee-jerk reactions or moves. And we'll do what's best for us all. I think you feel good if, if you're a Big Ten fan, mostly. You'd rather be us than a few other places right now. But man... Is it wild? It's something we're going to talk a lot about moving forward uh, because it's inevitable. You just can't get away from it, unfortunately. All right, a few other things. So Media Days really got swallowed up by the the realignment thing, but Kirk Ferentz did talk with the media, of course. Uh, If you haven't seen that or, or seen any of the coverage, Rob Howe has done a great job. Uh, at HawkeyeNation.com, John Bonacamp. There's a lot of great stuff from the Big Ten Media Days last week in Indianapolis. Uh, interviews with the players that made it over there and uh, and Coach Ferentz. They, they put out a depth chart, Iowa did. Not a whole lot of um, to talk about on the two deep. Um, Spencer Petrus is the starting quarterback. It's not an, an and or an or on the depth chart. Alex Padilla is the number two guy. Kirk Ferentz continues to talk about the excitement over Padilla and the uh, upcoming quarterback competition that will come this fall, this August. I think Spencer Petras has the job and would have to lose it at this point. I'm not sure what Alex Padilla could do in practice to win it. 
And once we get into games, we've seen it before, it's going to take a lot. And I mean a lot. Short of an injury for a change to be made at the quarterback position midseason. And so I hope Spencer Petras and his quarterback coach have improved. I hope the the spring ball, the summer of workouts, and the full fall camp will all be good for him. And I'm excited to see what he's going to do this year. I'm a little, I'm a little nervous, but I am excited. Keegan Johnson on the two deep, true freshman, early enrollee, has obviously turned heads. Uh, and is potentially the type of athlete that Iowa doesn't see a whole lot at wide receiver. So that that really stood out to you when you looked at the two deep. Not a whole lot else. A, a young offensive line, another true freshman made the two deep there. Um, but not a whole lot else. Again, my world has just been so much about realignment, it, it's been hard to, to, to focus on anything else. The AP has reported that Duke Slater will become the namesake of the field at Kinnick Stadium. And I think this is really cool. And if you don't know Duke Slater's story, uh, check it out. There was a time where Kinnick Stadium was not going to be Kinnick Stadium. It was going to be Kinnick Slater Stadium. Uh, and that didn't happen for a lot of reasons, some of which are racist. Uh, Duke Slater is not someone who, uh, like, I, he he has earned all of the distinctions he will get. He earned everything. It's it's not because he was the first to do it. It's not because he was the only to do it. It's because those things were true, but he also was one of the best to do it. Uh, as a player and as a man, he deserves a lot of recognition. There's a cool little statue of him at Kinnick Stadium. I don't know if you call that a statue. It's like a panel, uh, but he, it's, it is 3D. I don't know what you call that. Tell me what you call that. I'm sure you've all seen it. If you haven't, go check it out next time you're at legendary Kinnick Stadium. But apparently, and this hasn't been confirmed by Iowa, at least not that I've seen, uh, it will be Duke Slater Field at Kinnick Stadium, and I think that's a a proper way to honor him and a really cool thing and hopefully something that we you know, learn about in history classes here in the great state of Iowa. little bit of basketball talk. Uh, I saw a really cool thing today. The Iowa basketball program put out that they have now reached full vaccination status. I'm not going to get into the politics of vaccines, so don't don't worry about that. You can you can stay here and listen whether you're vaxxed or not. Um I'll tell you though why I am bolstered by this news and also worried about the same news or or I guess, similar story with the football program. Um, I love that the Iowa basketball team is fully vaccinated. Every player, every coach, every support staff member. This tells me they're not going to be interrupted by COVID this year, at least not on their own, uh, not because of them themselves. Could another team have an issue? Certainly. Can vaccinated people get COVID? Absolutely. But these players won't be tested daily, and they won't be... Uh, subject to the same COVID protocols as those who are unvaccinated. If they do get COVID, A, I mean, just as a person, there's less chance that they get sick because of it. 
but B, from a purely basketball standpoint, they'll be able to get back to the court quicker. We've had enough of COVID cancellations, postponements, outbreaks, scares, testing, all of that. We've had enough of it. How can you make sure your team doesn't have to deal with it? Get everybody vaccinated. That's how. And again, regardless of what you feel about the vaccination, it's if it just let's just boil it down to its most basic. If Iowa is fully vaccinated, there's less of a chance of them having an issue with COVID this season. That makes me happy. It makes me worried about the football season because Kirk Ferentz said at Media Days, he didn't put a number on it, but he said they they haven't reached 70%. As a, as a program. I don't know if that's players or coaches or support staff or what. Um, that puts Iowa in a worse spot than some other schools. Wisconsin is reporting an 85 or 90% vaccination rate. Northwestern is the same. I would imagine there are other schools that will be high and other schools that will be low. What I do know is if we lose a football game this year, and I don't mean lose it on the field, I mean if, if if one is taken away from us again, as two were last year, if one is taken away from us, and not only that, but it's deemed a forfeit because Iowa wasn't able to get everybody vaccinated, it's not going to matter what your politics are about vaccinations at that point. You and I and everybody else is going to be pissed, and it could it could really, really hurt the season. Players who are vaccinated don't have to go through the same testing and same protocols as those who are unvaccinated, period. You're in a better position as a football team, as a basketball team, as a wrestling team, whatever your sport is, baseball, whatever it is, field hockey. You're in a better position if more of you are vaccinated. And if you can get to 100%, like the basketball team has, the men's basketball team, you're in a real good spot. Maybe you won't get every game. Maybe the other team will have to forfeit, but it's a forfeit. Or at least it's that's the expectation. The MAC has said that. The NFL has said that. I would expect at some point between now and the 1st of September – the Big Twelve, Big Ten, and other major conferences will also say, "Hey, if you have to lose, if you miss a game because of a COVID outbreak and contact tracing within your program, that's a forfeit. It's not a no contest. I'm sure you could try to reschedule it, but good luck. That's a forfeit. And if Iowa forfeits a game that we think they could win, forfeits a game that." keeps them out of the Big Ten championship game. I don't care what your politics on vaccines are at that point. You're going to feel the same way I do. Pissed off and disappointed. So good on the basketball team. Happy for them. The NBA draft is this week, and uh, I think we're going to hear two Hawkeyes called. And I don't know when the last time that happened was, uh, but I do think it's going to happen. I don't think it'll be in the first round. And I'm not sure it'll be in the first half of the second round. Although I did see a, a mock draft. I had Joe Wieskamp in the first half of the second round and Luca Garza 
a little bit out of that. I get the feeling, based on almost nothing, that Joe Wieskamp and Luka Garza are both going to be NBA draft picks Thursday night. And I hope so. I do. I hope so. I think that'd be great for the program, great for the university. It'll be real interesting to kind of see what happens there. But I'm excited about it. It's going to be fun to watch. Good for them. The kind of final thing, news and notes here that I wanted to talk about is uh, Iowa announced a bunch of contract extensions yesterday. Now, many of them are from sports that we don't talk a whole lot about here at Hawkeye Nation. We don't cover a whole lot of, and frankly, brutally honest, a lot of you don't care about. But we already knew that Fran McCaffrey had been extended. He is good through June of 2028. Lisa Bluter inks an extension through 2026. Tom Brands inks an extension through 2028. Rick Heller through 2026. And then a handful of other coaches and programs. They kind of dropped this as a, uh, a an info dump uh, earlier this week. And it was interesting to do that. I think it's good. It shows that I was in a really good place athletically right now as, a, as an athletic department. We had a great season as, as Hawkeye fans. A great year, I should say, as Hawkeye fans. Uh, we've gone over this several times on this podcast. I think six Big Ten blank of the year, right? Athletes of the year for whatever sport. Uh, Luca Garza was named not just the, the basketball player of the year, but the male athlete of the year in the Big Ten, and, and rightfully so. Good for him. Uh, it's been a banner year for Hawkeye sports. It truly has. Things didn't work out as great as we'd hoped for some sports. Uh, things exceeded expectations for other sports. Did anybody think Caitlin Clark was going to be that good? Did anybody think that Iowa women's basketball was going to be on a trajectory that Maybe they're a Final Four type team in the next few years. Uh, the men's basketball season ended early. The football season, we got the final game of the year and the bowl game taken away from us. So it hasn't been all great. It's been pretty damn great. And uh, I think this shows that. Extending eight coaches at once, this shows that you're, you're in a good spot. Uh, not only are you happy with the results you're getting, but you're in a place financially to kind of lock those things down long term and that's a really good place to be i'm happy about that rick brown has a really cool series going on right now at hawkeynation.com if you haven't been to the website if you haven't been following this if you haven't been reading these stories that rick is putting together about a variety of wins over ap teams ap ranked teams i think the most recent one was against 16th ranked team Check this out, man. Rick, we're so lucky to have Rick as part of the staff at Hawkeye Nation. So lucky to have that amount of history and knowledge on our side. And and we're also lucky to be able to read his writing, his continued work. So check that out. Please do. These are going to become more uh, more regular, these podcasts, as we gear up now for football season. I, I appreciate your patience with me over the last month or two as I've taken a bit of a summer break. Done some podcasts here and there, but been on vacation also, and um, you know, just I've taken a bit of a, a, a laid layback with that. But uh, you know, we're gonna get going here with things like the opposition research podcast that I've done for a couple of years, talking to a writer 
or beat reporter or podcaster or blogger or radio host or whoever who covers Iowa's opponent, get an inside look at their opponent each week in the football season. The Hawkeye Nation radio show is poised to make a return with Joe Schmelka and myself. Joe Hugan will be doing more podcasting with us. And instant reactions after games. Those are some of my favorite things to do. Uh, interacting with you all during games from the Hawkeye Nation Twitter account is one of my favorite things to do. It's coming, baby. It's August next week. Here we go. I appreciate you listening, sticking with us. Keep going to HawkeyeNation.com. Let's keep the Hawkeye Nation up and running and good and strong and powerful. And let's keep the Big Ten together and strong. What's the SEC have? What do they they have? Bama. Come on. LSU. Eh. Bunch of national championships. Eh. We're the Big Ten, baby. We're the Big Ten. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Go Hawks.